Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, this morning we are blessed to celebrate the festival of St. Michael Angels. Now, this this is one of these festivals that falls on a particular date. Uh, It falls normally on uh, September 29th every year. Uh, We've transferred it to celebrate it uh, here and Wednesday uh, because it actually is one of the older festivals of the church. It starts in the 5th century uh, in connection with the founding of a church named St. Michael. That's kind of why the, the festival gets its name. And ever since then, uh, that church is founded on September 29th. And so ever since then, the church kind of broadly has celebrated also this festival in commemoration with that uh, as we meditate for a week on the work of angels. Uh, now, angels are one of these uh, very interesting topics. They're kind of fascinating and they're fascinating to a lot of people, and they're immensely misunderstood. Uh, There's all sorts of kind of these weird ideas that float around, these false ideas of of angels that just are not in the scriptures. Um, Like, if you look at how they're depicted in media, for example, you always get like these these cherubim that are flying around, their babies clad in diapers and this sort of stuff. You also get um, kind of uh, this this very effeminate uh, sort of depiction of angels, which is not the way the scriptures depict them. Uh, you also get this this odd thing uh, from movies like Touched by an Angel, for example, that when we die, we become angels, and that whole sort of idea that, that's been fairly prevalent. And, and none of that is, is true. Uh, so we want to take a little bit to look at, especially with the texts that are set in front of us, what's actually going on with the angels, who they are, what they're doing, and and why this is such a wonderful festival and feast in the church's life. Now, one of the things that maybe we should point out is that the angels, angel is just kind of this broad term in the scriptures. It simply means messenger, whether it's in Hebrew or in Greek. Uh, And it can mean any sort of messenger. And you can see this, in fact, in the text in Revelation, where you have Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So simply being an angel doesn't actually necessitate that you are a good creature, right? So you have the the devil and his angels, what we would normally refer to as demons, are fighting against particularly St. Michael and all the other angels there. Uh, That's because angels, at the end of the day, are messengers, they're servants, they're warriors, they're protectors, all these sorts of things rolled into this one created being. That's the other thing about angels, that they are part of creation. We're not told when in the, in the Genesis depiction uh, of creation in its account. We're not told when the angels are created. But we know that all things are created in the first six days, and so therefore angels are created somewhere in there. And the fall of the angels occurs somewhere in there, because you already have the devil uh, tempting Uh, Adam and Eve, after creation. So somewhere in there that this happens, uh, and and that's about all we know. Uh, We also know that as soon as the angels 
fall, they are immediately judged. There is no redemption for the angels, and we'll get to that uh, a bit later. That's kind of one of the big points of this festival is where redemption comes from. One of the depictions of angels, and one of the chief depictions, is that of warriors. Now, you see this particularly in the Old Testament as they are referred to as being part of the heavenly host. And we just miss this because in English, host doesn't really sound like much of anything to us. It just sounds like a lot. This is the term for an army in Hebrew. Uh, this is what we sing uh, in, in the liturgy where we talk about uh, the, the Sabaoth Lord. Uh, this is the Lord of the heavenly armies. And those armies are the angels. And this is why you have, for example, in Daniel, uh, St. Michael is fighting off the Prince of Persia, which is the devil. And you have in Revelation, St. Michael is, again, fighting against the devil. This is, it seems like St. Michael is, he's one of the two named angels, him and Gabriel, that he is, it seems, kind of the general, the, the angelic general of the heavenly armies. And his chief task then, it would seem, is to go and lead these armies in battle, and particularly to battle against the other angels, against the demons. And this is maybe a point that we should recognize, is that we are, as the Lord's people, in the midst of this battle that is ongoing around us that we simply don't see. Uh, St. John is given this vision of what's going on around us already. This is happening right now. There is this battle for the souls of humanity between angels and demons, between the devil and the Lord. We just don't see it. And it turns out that, in fact, being here today, you are engaging in that battle. You are fighting against all the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms, and you're doing it, as St. Paul encourages you to, with the Word of God, and especially in your prayers, as we gather together to pray in song and in word. But we should not lose sight of this, that we have an enemy, and it is the devil, and he's depicted as this dragon, and he has an army that is behind him. It's not something to be taken lightly, but it's also not something to be afraid of. Because this is an army that has been conquered. This is an army that has been already fought against, is still being fought against on your behalf. You're given to fight as well, but again, that is particularly with the word of God and prayer. You're not given to run off into the fray and be a demon slayer or something like that. that that's probably not, in fact, going to go very well for you if you were to try that. So don't do that. Instead, stand your ground, stand firmly anchored in the Lord's word, and fight with the Lord's word and with your prayers against anything that the devil might throw to you, knowing that he is a conquered foe. The dragon has been slain. He can harm you no more. And he's been slain by the word of God and by the blood of the lamb. And those are things that the devil cannot conquer. Now, we, we sang about this in, in the, the hymn right before, in, in the hymn of the day, um, that you've got this whole section where it's talking about uh, the devil fighting against uh, the Lord's church that this is always what he's doing, but also that it is the angels who are always fighting back against him. And so we're not left to fight this battle alone. We fight with each other, and we fight knowing that the heavenly host fights for us as well. So that's the first thing. The, devil, the, the angels are warriors. The next thing is that they are also protectors. And the fact that they are warriors is, in fact, what makes this a comforting thing. So we have this wonderful text from Matthew 18, and right at the end, this is where we especially get the doctrine of the guardian angel from. That, that is a scriptural teaching. 
We maybe don't apply it always in the right way, but it is very scriptural that the Lord sends his angels in order to protect us. And he does this, it seems, especially with children. He, he says their angels, the angels of these children, always behold the face of their father who is in heaven. And that is a wonderful comfort if these are warriors. If these are people that can actually, people, if these are beings that can actually protect you from all of these demonic forces that are floating around, around, floating around out there, which they are, and they do, and they can. These are not babies wearing diapers. These are soldiers that are going out to war specifically for you. And then lastly, they are servants. They are messengers. You, you see the servant aspect in, in Daniel where uh, the Lord has bid him go and fight against the, the prince of Persia. And you see the messenger aspect, especially in, like, for example, Gabriel, that his duty is to come and make these announcements uh, to the people concerning the birth of St. John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus himself. And at the end of the day, this is what the angels are ultimately tasked with doing. They are tasked with performing the Lord's bidding, whatever he has them do. And especially to come, anytime the angels show up and they're talking with people, they're always relaying God's word to those people, which is why, then, angel takes on a larger meaning in the scriptures beyond these created spiritual beings. It also refers to, for example, St. John himself. St. John the Evangelist is referred to as an angel, uh, I believe in Malachi, uh, and that's taken up then to reference him uh, in one of the Gospels. So are pastors. Pastors are referenced as angels in the Scriptures. Now, we know very clearly every pastor you have had is not an angel in the sense that we have like a halo floating around our head or that we're like really you know, awesome, holy sort of people, right? That I am just as sinful as any of you. The reason why angel is a term that gets applied to pastors is because of what their duty is. That is to speak God's word to God's people. At the end of the day, that is the chief duty of all the angels and of what we might call the chief angel. And this is what the Old Testament calls the angel of the Lord. And you see this phrase show up periodically. Anytime you see that, you ought to be thinking Jesus. Because that's who it is, in fact. The angel of the Lord is the one who speaks from the bush. It's burning when it's talking to Moses. And we learn later that it's the Lord himself that's talking there. So it's not some sort of created uh, spiritual being. It is, in fact, the Lord himself, the pre-incarnate Christ, who is the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord, the one who speaks for the Lord, which makes perfect sense when you get into the New Testament and he's referred to as the Word made flesh. That all the speaking of God is ultimately Jesus. And this is this really wonderful thing about uh, the, the angels and what it ends up driving us to is when we start digging at it, we end up at Jesus, the angel of the Lord. And we remember then, like from Hebrews, for example, that it's not angels that he comes to help. Jesus does not take on the form of an angel in the sense of a spiritual being. He takes on flesh and blood. He takes on the form of humanity. Because that's, that's who he's here to help. That's who he's here to aid, who he's here to redeem. You, dear saints. He's here to redeem you. 
And the way he does that is be, becoming like you in every way, except without sin. He doesn't become an angelic being, nor do you become an angelic being when you die. That would be a demotion. This is this wonderful thing that was sung in this, this anthem uh, by the choir, uh, the, this text from St. John that um, uh, uh, when he appears, we shall be like him. Now, that, that is a reference to the resurrection, when he appears, when he comes back for us in the last day. When he comes back for us in the last day, we will not be like the created angels, these spiritual beings. We will be like him, like Jesus, flesh and blood and perfect and holy and righteous without any spot or blemish as he has promised because he's become like us and has died and has been raised and has redeemed you. This is, this is at the end of the day, why the church celebrates festivals like this. Not, not to give all sorts of special glory to the angels, but to drive us always, always to Christ, the angel of the Lord, that everything that the church is doing is always driving at this point, because the angels are driving at that point too. The angels are always beholding the face of God. The angels are always serving God. The angels are always pointing us to Christ. And so this festival does the same thing as well. It points us, and we see this especially in the epistle, it points us to the blood of Christ, because even though the angels are the ones that are fighting, they're using a weapon that belongs to God, his own blood. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It is the blood of Jesus, the angel of the Lord, who ultimately brings about the victory, your victory, over sin and death and even the old ancient dragon and all of his demonic angels. And therefore, we need not fear them any longer. We shouldn't ignore them, but we need not be afraid of them. They are conquered. They can harm us no more. As Luther has reminded us, he's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. May that always be our comfort. May that always be our peace as we strive in the midst of this battle until we attain the resurrection of eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.